everybody. Welcome to the Hero Bells podcast. I'm your host, Kyle McCaffrey, and I'm here with Michelle Pierschonik, who is my sister-in-law and also my uh, test subject. Uh, we're doing a podcast on health, fitness, wellness, all those kinds of things. Right now, we're just sitting in the living room having a glass of wine in beautiful Valencia, Spain on, what's the date today? It is, uh, <laughs> I don't know, like 16th or something? It is the 16th of February, two days past uh, Valentine's Day. I even almost forget because... Um, I thought Valentine's Day was yesterday. No, it was two days ago. 14th? Yeah. Well, people were still doing shit on the 15th. <laughs> <laughs> of course they were. Why wouldn't you? I mean, there's always great ways to spend money and then get discounted chocolate the next day at the oh, stores. That's the best. Yeah. So the reason we're doing this podcast is so that we can help people uh, better their lives in a really short period of time. So you're looking at between five and ten minutes. We'll do these about one, one to two times every month. So whether or not Michelle's here uh, will be decided later on. But um, for the most part, she's going to be the test subject for what I'm about to describe. So today we're going to read a little bit of Kelly Starrett's book called Becoming a Supple Leopard. And I believe this is the first edition, and, and uh, but it's something that I've subscribed to several times and has been a huge help to me learning how to brace my body. This is all about abdominal bracing and um, the bracing sequence so that you can protect your spine and pretty much your entire body from the core or trunk outward. Um, you, <laughs> so I'm just going to read a little bit from the book. Uh, here you go. If you don't organize your spine optimally, you can't stabilize and transmit force to the primary engines of your hips and shoulders. This results in staggering losses of stability, force, and power. That is Kelly Starrett from his book. Uh, so what he's talking about here is that there is a bracing sequence that you need to go through, and it's five steps that we're going to get into in a minute. But these are absolutely important because as somebody else that I, I follow would say, you can't fire a cannon from a canoe. That's Jeff Cavalier with Athlean X. Um, and that's really, everything is coming from the center outward in terms of force. If your spine is not rigid with all the muscles around it, you're not going to perform properly. So why do you organize your spine and why it's important? Kelly Start would say first, learning how to brace your spine in a good position eliminates one of the greatest threats to the human animal, which is injury to the central nervous system or CNS as he would say. Um, second, a disorganized spine will lead to mechanical compromises. He goes into greater detail. I would suggest picking up his book, but you can get the gist that if your, your body's not going to be able to move correctly, like I said, if your spine isn't organized. So third, when you lose spinal positioning, which would be the head, rib cage, or pelvic fault, you potentially shut down force production and lose the ability to stabilize your hips and shoulders. So then we go into the bracing sequence. Uh, Michelle, would you mind standing up for a sec? Sure. All right. Now, obviously, you can't see this, but we're just going to do this just for fun so that she can understand it. So the first thing you're going to do is squeeze your butt as hard as you can. Okay. Like a, um, you My last your, penny is in there. That's right. Your last penny is between your butt cheeks, and someone's <laughs> trying to steal it from you. So you squeeze that butt as hard as you can, but you might want to get your feet a little bit closer together. There you go. Right there. Um, so right now, Michelle's feet are about a foot apart. And she's squeezing her butt as hard as she can, and she's probably getting pretty tired of doing it. 
But a bit. at this point, what you're trying to do is organize your, your pelvis so that it's underneath your rib cage. So the next step, the next step, the next step that you're going to do is to pull your rib cage down, which basically means you're going to balance your rib cage over your hips, um, so that your hips and ribs are in neutral in the front and back and left to right. So you're not leaning left and right or forward and backwards. There, as Kelly Sart would say, imagine two cups full of water, and you don't want those to tip over. Okay. So next, you want to get your belly tight because. This is going to lock in this position because when you decide to go into a deadlift or a squat, you obviously can't keep your butt flexed the entire time, right? So right now, pulling that, as he says, pull the rib cage down and brace the abdominals, you're giving your glutes the ability to let go so that you can do a particular movement. So if you wanna get your feet just wider apart but while holding that position with your rib cage and your abdominals, now you should be able to do a squat and be able to keep your trunk completely rigid. Hard to do though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, so let go. <laughs> All right, so um, when you lock your pelvis and rib cage in place with your abdominals, you can't move your butt squeezed, so you need to lock it in the position, like I said. Um, you also need to use the breath. The breath is one of the hugest advantages uh, to training at all. Um, and being able to breathe effectively using your diaphragm and maintaining the integrity of the abdominals to hold your spine in the correct place. So um, Kelly Start uses a really good example of how to think of that like a mental cue. He says you don't make um, a tank tight around air. If you're having like an air compressor, you put air into a rigid tank. So if you're going through that bracing sequence, you're breathing within those confines now. Hmm. Okay, so that means if you had a belt around your abdominals, you'd be pushing against that belt with the air that's in your diaphragm. Yeah. Right? And then when you are breathing out, your abdominals are going to come in and you're trying to shrink wrap your spine with your abdominals. Just if you can think of it that way and you visualize this, it makes it uh, much easier to understand. And of course, thinking of all this is going to be really, really difficult um, at first, but this is one of those life-saving things that where everything stems out of and <clears throat> gives everything maximal value because eventually down the road, you're going to, you might accumulate injuries from, of course, firing that cannon from that canoe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you don't, obviously, you don't want to do that. Lastly, you want to center your head over your shoulders and gaze forward. So you want to think about aligning your ears over your shoulders, hips, and ankles. As you do this, draw the heads of your arm bones back, spreading your collarbones wide, and release your shoulders down. A good cue here that I've heard people say is put your shoulder blades in your back pockets. It's not the idea that you want to um, pinch your shoulder blades completely together. It's more about getting them down and in the correct position. So once you... Once you've accomplished all of these things, you want to look like all your joints are stacked on top of each other, like a brick house. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the podcast for today. All we're doing is talking about abdominal bracing through the bracing sequence. So to go over that sequence again, basically what you want to do is start by organizing your pelvis and then pull your rib cage down. Three is tighten your abs. 
Four is set your head in a neutral position, and then you want to align your ears over your shoulders, hips, and ankles. Now you're completely locked in. Anytime you do a squat or a deadlift, pretty much anything, you know the bracing sequence. I'll post this up in a short article. I don't want to rip off uh, the author. We will revisit this again. So if uh, you, anybody listening has any questions, please say so in the Facebook group, which would be under Hero Bells Challenge. My name is Kyle McCaffrey with Hero Bells. Uh, I'm do- doing this podcast, like I said, once or twice a month. Uh, it should be available to you every single Monday or Friday. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Hello and welcome to the Hero Bells podcast. My name is Kyle McCaffrey. I'm the founder and lead trainer of Hero Bells. And today's podcast is the second installment on joint health, read from the book Super Joints by Pavel Tassolini. Last time we did part one, which was secrets to safer back bending. As disjointed as that podcast might be, no pun intended, I swear to God, I'm not, uh, I'm not a puns kind of guy, <laughs> if that even counts as one. Um, it was a little bit disjointed, and uh, but I still think it was valuable in terms of information. But today we're going to actually go through, this might be a little bit longer of a podcast, but we're actually going to go point by point, and I believe there's about 10 points here for um, a mobility routine that he recommends. But first, before I read this, I need anyone who's listening to understand that this is not my routine. This isn't even what I do. I do something a little bit different from my routine, although there's there's things in here that, I mean, I do some of them, but uh, not maybe not often. Uh, he's much more, Pavel Tassolini is much more of an expert when it comes to this than I am. Um, most of my mobility work that I do uh, comes from things that I need or my client needs. So I don't really prescribe to, or subscribe rather, um, one particular way of doing it or, or not. Uh, that isn't my area of expertise, so to speak. I do know some things work and why they work, but uh, needless to say, this is from his book, and this is also not a professional recommendation for me. This is a reading of tools for you to use with absolute caution and assume all responsibility for the outcomes of the following movements. So I just need you to know that. Um, That being said, I feel that you'd be safe to do these things, uh, obviously, or I wouldn't be reading them to you. Nonetheless, you should pick up the book because just getting all of this from the audio source, from an auditory source, I guess that's the right word, uh, isn't going to really give you everything you need. I'm going to post these points on my Facebook group, not in great detail, they'll be summed up. So you'll have those available to you uh, tomorrow when you, uh, after you've listened to this. So that supplementary, supplementary material will be there. Uh, that being said, without further ado, we go to the book. So this is Pavel Tassolini saying, While lying in bed on your back, hold on to the headboard, provided you have one, of course. 
raise your legs and bring them behind your head so hopefully your knees touch your forehead. If you choose to do the drill on the floor, you may press down into the floor with your palms positioned by your hips or hold on to some stationary object above your head. So a good strong anchor point is what you need. Keep your legs reasonably straight. Try to touch the floor behind your head with your feet as long as you do not load your neck. Keep your weight on your shoulders and upper back, not your neck. Common mistake. Uh, that When I was in jiu-jitsu, one of the things we would do is do these back bends just like this, of course, with no anchor point, and we would rock back and forth. This was um, sort of like a hollow body position, but oftentimes I would see the other students, and including myself, I've made the mistake uh, quite a while ago, and I would get onto my neck, and then I would have a sore neck, and of course, I'd blame jiu-jitsu for it, but... And not to say that it wasn't jujitsu, but nonetheless, I got my ass handed to me plenty of times and uh, got neck aches. Doing poor back bends probably didn't help. So point number two, stand upright, then bend over and try to touch the floor with your fingers or even your palms. The chin tucks in as you fold over and the head tilts back as you stand up. So exercise caution here. This is what he's saying. Passively exhale on the way down and inhale into your stomach on the way up. You can think of this way. He goes into detail here with sort of a a kinesthetic cue. And he says, which is a kind of a plastic word, he says, sort of push off your thighs with your belly. If you do it right, the intra-abdominal pressure when rising on inhalation will straighten out your spine like a hydraulic jack with minimal back stress. If you're not sure how to use your diaphragm or your health condition prohibits the standing toe touch, practice the drill sitting on the floor with your legs in front of you. Reach forward on a sigh of relief and sit up as you inhale. I think that's pretty straightforward. It sounds like just a forward fold or a a seated forward bend. Pretty straightforward, pretty standard stuff, but he's telling you what to do here with the breath. Uh, It's something that I stress with my clients is using your breath to your advantage. A lot of people don't breathe with their movement correctly and your power is greatly reduced, especially that uh, explosive force. Say, for instance, you're doing a swing. Oh, there's the fireworks. Um, With a, a kettlebell swing, you'll notice a lot of people who are really, at least really good at it, they're going to be breathing um, with a lot of force. So they'll breathe out really hard. So as the kettlebell comes up uh, straight and straight out in front of you, people will be breathing out and it'll be like a, a sharp and and powerful exhale and just like, whew. boxers do the same thing when they're, when they're punching. This gives you more power. It's, it's very useful to know. So back to the book on point three, he says maximal amplitude arm circles. So turn your head left and right in sync with the arm and shoulder movements to get more done in less time. Now, this is something that I think if you are brand new to mobility, I really, for me, I don't even know if I would do that uh, because I know that even with mobility, you you can probably screw yourself up. Now, the more moving parts in a machine, in any kind of machine, whether it's biomechanical or not, the greater the risk for error. So that being said, you have to exercise a, a lot of caution here because 
your neck is, I mean, you only have one neck and that even at that, you don't want to have neck pain and you certainly don't want to have shoulder pain either. So use a lot of caution. This is of course advice from an expert. I am not an expert on this. I know what I do. I know what works for me. Um, anyways, moving on. Point uh, number four, he says, side bends. The palms slide along the trunk and legs. As one palm reaches down to the knee beyond, the other palm is coming up to the armpit. Tilt your head from side to side and sink. So let me repeat this again. With side bends, he says, the palms slide along the trunk and legs. So that would be pretty much from your waist up to your neck. As one palm reaches down to the knee and beyond, the other palm is coming up to the armpit. That's going to look really weird, so make sure you're not, uh, <laughs> make sure you might not be in a public place when you do some of these because they're going to look really weird. I'm kidding. Just go for it. Mobility never looks cool. Uh, then he says, tilt your head from side to side and sink. So what you're really trying to do is if you have one palm reaching down to the knee and of course beyond and the other one coming up into the armpit and you tilt from side to side, I think if you're get the arm that is down, say your left hand is down on your knee and you're going to be moving your neck, you're going to be moving your neck to the right towards the hand that is in your armpit. And do that in, in sync and make sure not to twist and move only in one plane. Now we can have a separate podcast on the planes of motion. Um, there's three major ones. I know that other people seem to think that there's like bloody six of them or something, which I think uh, can turn into minutia. Hearing all those firecrackers in the background, that's a festival that goes on in Valencia, Spain, where people light off fireworks and burn shit in the, uh, in the streets. Really cool stuff, but apparently it upsets my dog. So if you hear firecrackers again, um, you might also hear my dog. Sorry, but there's really no escape. Anyways, back to the book. Point number five, lift your elbow and reach over your shoulder with your hand trying to touch the opposite shoulder blade. Tuck your chin in at the same time. Uh, that seems like a really good one and one that even I'd be happy to, to implement into mine because I have terrible shoulders. Uh, even with the amount of exercise I do, I'm, I'm behind a, a long way because of the injuries that I've had. So um, actually I can't say I have terrible shoulders, they're just not as, weak, as strong as other parts of my body. Not that that really matters to you, um, but I think that is a probably uh, that's probably a very common problem. Anyway, number six, turn your torso clockwise and counterclockwise with max amplitude. Keep your straight arms in front of you, the palms facing forward, and the fingers clasped. The arms move in sync with the torso and amplify its movement. The head rotates in sync as well. Make sure not to bounce at the limit of your rotation. Your spine would not care for it. I'm glad he stresses that because the spine is so important and that's why if you listen to the, the first um, podcast of mine, I went through the bracing sequence with uh, Becoming a Supple Leopard uh, by Kelly Starrett. And he, the reason why you go through that bracing sequence is pretty much to take care of your spine. Incredibly important. If you damage your spine, it's game over. So point number six, he says, turn your torso clockwise and counterclockwise. Clockwise. 
Oh, we already did number six. What a dum-dum. Anyway, number seven, <laughs> for those that are counting. Stand straight. Alternately lift your knees to your stomach. So you're standing up and down. Um, alternately lift your knees to your stomach. Reach as high as you can. To make it tougher, hold the towel in front of you, in front of your hips, and bring your knee over it, back and forth without bending over. As you get better, pull the slack out of the towel. Then start um, increasing the width of your grip on the taut towel, so it gets higher off the ground and makes the drill even more challenging. So let me get this straight. You stand straight and alternately lift your legs. So one at a time, obviously, because you can't unless you're jumping and you want to bring them to your stomach, you want them to reach as high as you can, and to make it tougher, you hold a towel in front of your hips and bring your knees over it, back and forth without bending over. Makes sense, pretty simple. As you get better, pull the slack out of the towel. Fair enough. So you're just really creating a, a point that you're, a, that you're trying to get your knees over. Sure, you can use other things other than a towel. Number eight. Push-ups on the floor with your hands resting on a piece of furniture. So that would be kind of like an incline push-up. Place the weight, the weight near the bases of your palms rather than closer to the fingers. If the, tra the traditional technique hurts your wrists, you have a couple of options. The yuppie choice, as he says, is a set of push-up handles or a pair of hex-shaped dumbbells. He says the manly alternative is to do your push-ups the karate way on your knuckles. If you do not plan on kicking butt in the near future, you may do push-ups on the full surfaces of the fists. Shame on you, but the proper martial arts knuckle push-up calls for resting your weight only on two knuckles of each fist. Those are the index and middle fingers. You've probably seen Bruce Lee doing that, but I don't know if it makes you uh, necessarily stronger or better to be pushing off your knuckles, but why not? You will find that this technique will strengthen your wrists in a hurry, and it really will because you're balancing on a much smaller surface. Now he goes on to talk about um, what he would do when with the Soviet Special Forces. He trained uh, Spetsnaz soldiers to be stronger, I suppose. But we'll get to, yeah, because he goes into some weird things here that I don't know if I necessarily agree with, but that's not really in, uh, in line with what we're trying to get through. So. Number nine, Roman chair sit-ups. Sit on a sturdy stool, hook your feet under a couch, and do sit-ups. Go down as low as your physical limitations allow and come up, reaching forwards towards your feet as far as you can. He says, while Western specialists have been lamenting their dangers, which I totally understand, um, Russians have been doing stretch sit-ups over a stool at home or over a pommel horse in the gym for decades and are not about to stop. So that's uh, an even broader point that just because if you're listening to this and you're in the United States or you're in Canada, North America, or just the Western world, um, we definitely have this, I don't know, kind of divide on Western and Eastern medicine and most of it I, I, I agree with. I'm Definitely not on the fence with this. However, there's a lot of good things that do come out of either Eastern medicine or just um, from other either obscure places or from say Russia the kettlebell itself came from there So I can't really argue too much that just because it came from this particular area 
that it's not going to be useful. That's actually pretty stupid, when you, especially when you say it out loud. So that being said, and remembering, of course, the disclaimer at the beginning, do these at your own discretion. Give it a try. Be smart. And also listen to part one where he talks about backbending. Of course, he's, he's talking about um, positions like this when he's talking about backbending and the usefulness of flexing the glutes. So when you're sitting there, don't have anything being active or sorry, inactive if you can help it, especially the glutes. That means your butt. So squeeze your butt. Um, now, let's see. He goes on to tell you exactly how to do these um, these sit-ups, but you pretty much get the idea that this is just like doing um, a decline bench version of, uh, sorry, you're doing a version of like a decline bench sit-up. Not really a big deal or an extension, if you will. All of, Both of those require you to flex the glutes, so I'll go on to point number 10. And he says squats while holding on to the back of a chair. So you can, he goes on with um, squat performance tips, but we're gonna get into that a different time. Nonetheless, holding on to something while doing squats, provided you're doing them correctly, I would also recommend that, my personal recommendation is do this with a mirror, because getting the squat right, if, you're not, if you don't have an instructor, uh, is, I can't stress enough how important that is. So, if you do that and you're holding on to a chair, just to the top of a chair, you're gonna be able to hold yourself up more and really, I, I hate to say self-diagnose, but you're gonna be able to notice problems, especially if you have a mirror. If you um, are putting all your weight onto the chair, the chair is probably gonna move, and if you are going backwards, the chair is gonna move backwards and you're gonna be on your ass with a chair on top of you. All right, so thank you very much for listening. That was the Hero Bells podcast and uh, all about super joints and that was part two thank you very much and i will talk to you uh in about two weeks and if you like these and you want to hear more of them just leave me a comment i'll make these make one a week maybe two a week who knows thanks again Bye bye